Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sat on a tree Down a down Hey down a down They were as black As they might be With a down One of them Said to his mate Where shall we Our breakfast take With a down Dairy 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 Down down Welcome to a special Advent 2023 edition of the Three Ravens podcast. My name's Eleanor Conlon and I'm limbering up, doing my stretches and getting ready to take to the dance floor with 10 of my favourite fellow females, <laughs> much to the amusement of my co-host Martin Vaux. Oh, oh, just make sure to warm your hamstrings, all right? Naturally. <laughs> now, as discussed yesterday, we're counting down to Christmas over 12 days of mini episodes culminating in our Three Ravens Christmas special on Christmas Day itself using the 12 Days of Christmas song as a framework around which to talk about interesting historical and folkloric tidbits loosely related to Yuletide. So, Eleanor, 11 ladies dancing. I have to ask, you're a dancer, did years of training in ballet and other forms of dance, and you like to shake your tail feather, but dance is a huge topic, so how are you approaching it? Well, considering the 12 Days of Christmas is, at the very latest, an 18th century song, Mm. I thought I would talk about some of the famous dance and customs around dancing that was prevalent in eras prior to that date. Outstanding, because not a single film, I don't think, about the medieval era or really even Tudor England goes by without a dance sequence, does it? No, and that's because, well, like today, dance was an incredibly important part of cultural life. Mm. For example, modern ballet traces its its roots back to the Italian Renaissance courts, where both men and women would dance, usually in very elaborate costumes, surrounded on three sides as part of court entertainment. Well, that sounds pretty fabulous. 
that must have been because it was witnessed by various noble families, most notably by Catherine de' Medici, who took the tradition back to France, where it began to be formalised into what we know as ballet today. What an amazing woman, Catherine de' Medici. Definitely. She's generally thought of as one of the most important women in 16th century European history. And every lady or girl who has ever done ballet so almost all of the ladies dancing, <laughs> do owe a certain debt directly to Catherine de' Medici. Well, that's very interesting. But ladies dancing are a subject of art and writing back to the very first cultures we know about, aren't they? That's right, with some of the earliest art we have being of dancing girls or dancing women. Mm. So, for example, we have cave paintings from 6,000 BC, so over 8,000 years ago, Whoa. showing ladies dancing. Plus, there's the very famous dancer statue from Mahendra in modern-day Pakistan. Yeah. That one's from around 2,500 BC. So, over 4,500 years ago. And there's been a long tradition since then through ancient Egypt, ancient Greece and ancient Rome of showing art painted and in statuary of ladies dancing. But am I right in thinking that by the time of the Middle Ages in England, dancing was pretty frowned upon as a matter of course? That's Right, yes. So every week on Three Ravens, we talk about folk festivals and saints' days mm. and traditional holidays and so on. By the 5th century in England, it was not really allowed for people to dance outside of agreed festival times. Wild. Many of these being folk festivals. So from what we know, old folk dances eventually developed into more formalised kinds of chain dance and circular dance as time went on. Now, when you say chain dance, I'm imagining this doesn't have anything to do with chaining people up. No, Martin. <laughs> because I think that would really slow people down. And also you get into a right tangle, wouldn't you? would no <laughs> chain dances were and are dances where people themselves become a kind of chain ah, okay. normally by linking hands or arms mm. writing's a bit scarce on what these earliest dances look like but we do know that early on it was seen as correct for dancers to always move left normally around a statue a tree or an object and um, one of the prominent forms of this sort of moving left dance was known as the bronle the bronle now how do you spell that one uh, b-r-a-n-l-e okay and it's from french meaning to sway. Okay, okay. So the bronle was a form of chain or circle dance. We think possibly developing out of fertility dances. Interesting. We know most of what we do about them from sculptural friezes um, and reliefs and paintings and tapestries uh, and art. I suppose it wouldn't have struck people to write about dance moves back then. No, but from what we can tell, it seems that aside from just walking or moving in time to the left, people would also have gestures to do, such as claps or finger wags or stamping and so on. Mm. Sometimes you also had rings of women separate to rings of men, with one moving around behind the other, then stepping forward, swapping positions, carrying on, swapping again, so on and so forth. So now this, to me, I've got to say, sounds very similar to maypole dancing. That's right. And amusingly, it was known in English slang as a brawl. What? Um, <laughs> rather than a bronle. Yeah, it was, it was translated as brawl. Shakespeare refers to it as such, mm. um, because normally... Broke down in a terrible mess. Well, I imagine so, particularly if people are drinking. Yeah. But maypole dancing is actually referred to in Britain as early as the 14th century by a monk describing Bronle style maypole dancers at May Day. Yeah, this strikes me as the kind of thing monks wrote about quite scathingly. They sure did. <laughs> Naughty heathen practices. <laughs> so other early dances included the tresque, which is um, T R E S Q U E, about which we know. 
very little. Right. Um, <laughs> but it seems like it was probably related to the farandole, which is a kind of broken circle dance. A what? So if you can imagine, a broken circle dance is where it's as if someone has kind of snipped the line out of the circle. Oh, I see. Okay. Creating yeah. a kind of long line that can then weave in and around and about places as people walk. Now, not being funny, Eleanor, what you're describing as a farandole sounds to me a lot like a conga line. Well, that's what it was like. Okay. A conga line is a farandole. Right. It has a dance leader at the head of the line leading everyone else. And then the dance leader does actions in time to the music. Um, so in the case of the conga, that's a little kick. Yeah. And the rest of the dancers copy the actions. That sounds pretty fun, depending on who's leading, obviously. I mean, who doesn't like a conga line? <laughs> Especially after a couple of glasses of fizzy pop and a trip to the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> but both the farandole and the bronle were actually outdoor dances for the most part. Oh, really? Presumably to avoid knocking things over. Yeah, but sure. They were performed at mass gatherings and then developed into something highly relevant to the time of year. So the biggest form of dance during the Middle Ages, especially popular from the 12th century, was the carol. What, like Christmas carol? Uh, yeah, modern Christmas carols have their roots in medieval carols, which, unlike other forms of dance, included singing as well as a central element. Oh, I see. So like, modern Christmas carols have just kind of lost the dance element. Pretty much, which I think is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea was very much that people danced in time with fixed movements and also sang while they danced. Well, that's cute. And during the quite serious Christian year, Advent was famously a time for dancing carols. Although wow. there were also Easter carols and various others with songs and dance to fit the time of year. Oh my goodness, this is so cool. What a cool fact. So Chaucer actually wrote of how Henry IV's mother, Lady Lancaster, used to, and I quote, dance so comely, carol and sing so sweetly that never has heaven seen so blissful a treasure. Well, that's a top example of ladies dancing. Shake it on down, Lady Lancaster. <laughs> but not everyone thought as highly of carols as Chaucer, as mm. you might expect. For example, in the 15th century, English translator Stephen Scrope created an English edition of the Miroir du Monde, which is a collection of 13th century French writings containing moral guidance, as mandated by the Fourth Lateran Council. Oh, so fun party pooping monks. Yeah, the fun police, in other words, <laughs> the Fourth Lateran Council. Yeah. And in that one, a medieval monk writes... All those men and women who carol sin with every member of their bodies Whoa. by turning elegantly and by moving and shaking their arms, by singing and by speaking dishonourably. Well, shocking stuff. Good heavens. And quite a contrast to the modern perception of Christmas caroling. Yeah, I think uh, some of them would benefit from a bit of uh, moving and shaking of arms. <laughs> it has to be said, though, most of the carols which survive are religious. So, for example, the Coventry Carol, which mm. most people probably know if they hear it, uh, is one. And there's loads from Noel, Noel and the Agincourt Carol to rowdier drinking songs like Taps to Fill Another Ale. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's a good one. I think we should bring it back in the pubs. <laughs> <laughs> Many of them survive from the early modern period with music, actually, in texts like the Trinity Carol Roll and the Selden Carol Book. And do these texts also contain the funky dance moves? They don't tend to, sadly, but you can imagine church events being pretty different if congregations did have courtly dances to do alongside their carols. True enough. Although, and I know it's a bit of a silly question to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. When I'm watching historical films, the dances they're doing, they're not very churchy, are they? No, you're right. And outside of the carol, starting in Italy during the 15th century and spreading to France and England, dance became 
formalised. Right, so okay. there were steps which you followed and people would know. So if you went to a party, you would know the steps and the chances are that the other guests would as well. So it was social and you'd be able to dance with more or less anybody. Yeah, you got it. And during this time, we have this amazing dance manual written by a chap called Domenico di Piacenza. And the dance manual is called De Arte Sultande e Correas Ducendi. Whoa. And it's illustrated. It's, no. yeah, really beautifully How illustrated. Cool. And, um, so on the back of that, you've then got the world's first dance school, the Paris Opera Ballet, and that was founded in 1661, a lot earlier than people think. Goodness me. So what about the ones where, and forgive my crudeness, but people hold their hands up in the middle of the room in lines and move around one another and swap partners and gossip and, and exchange sneaky notes and courtly intrigue ensues. <laughs> Before you get into that, let's spare a second for the flamenco, oh, okay. which emerged in the 15th century out of southern Spain. That was a bit of a game changer, uh, the flamenco. It's very mm. expressive dance. But the kind of dances you're talking about, as seen in all the films about Elizabeth I ever, yep. um, have their roots in processional dances. Okay. So these include things like the bassa danza or bassin dance and dances like the pavan on one hand and then the ballo or balletto on the other. So the bassin dance sounds fun. I'm imagining from the word it's to do with the bass, so that which is low. Exactly right, but not morally low. The sure. fourth letter in council will be fine. <laughs> uh, the bassin dance or bassin danza is all about keeping a feet low so oh. no raising up your knees well that's fine by me i'm starting to show me age anyway you know <laughs> and then you'd walk in kind of sets of squares in quite a regulated way so no hopping around no skipping and definitely no leaping like your lords yesterday well that sounds interesting but quite serious really and what about you mentioned ballet that that sounds a lot like ballet it does and it's kind of a cousin in that the ballet was about skilled dancers telling a story through choreography i see right and so you often see a ballet section in early opera ah, gotcha. so there'll be a little bit of it will be played out through a ballet so With the story's been continued but it's through dance rather than song gotcha. and acting. so it's very much a plan and dance normally involves costumes, uh, played to particular pieces of music. Right, so it's like quite specific. Yeah, yeah. The Basson Dancer, meanwhile, was something that could kind of fit to any suitable tune. And so it included fixed moves such as single steps, double steps, a reverence, which is like a bow or a curtsy, and so on. And all the while, the minstrels or musicians would be making a racket on a sack butt and a shawm and all the rest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's worth saying at this time that the general expectation was for women to keep their faces angled downwards. Really? And ladies have far more modest moves than the men. So men are meant to be the peacocks, swishing their fine clothes around and so on. And they often are seen circling around the ladies. So a lady will tend to stay more still while the man can circle around and do some leaps and lift those knees up. Well, while that sounds all right for the gents, it doesn't seem to be as fun for the ladies dancing who we're meant to be talking about. No, I don't imagine it was, but things did improve significantly with the introduction of, well, it's kind of the evolution of the Basson dance. Okay. And then you start to see couple dances like the Galliard, which was the favourite of Elizabeth I, and that's why we see it in every single I film. I see. So I know the term galliard, but I couldn't tell you what's really involved in one. Well, it's like the Basson Dancer in that it has fixed moves. Uh, they're often in sets of five, say, uh, including a sank pass, uh, which is a single step going right, left, right, left. Then 
what the Tudors called a cadence, which was a big jump with one foot landing in front of the other. We're allowed to jump again. Yeah, we can jump again. But a galliard (laughs) could have up to 17 steps and be quite elaborate. Wow. Now, that's what I'm talking about, I have to say. Between Catherine de' Medici and Elizabeth I, we've got some notable ladies dancing here. And then you get the volta, which (laughs) is the one that they will say, play a volta, and Mm. that's when, you know, some sexy flirting is going to (laughs) happen. Sure, sure, sure. It was quite a sexy move. And it featured in some galliards. And couples would stop just touching hands and then the man would clutch a lady's elbow and fans at the ready everybody (laughs) maybe their hip but maybe even more intimate the bottom of the busk would stiffen the front of the the bodies um, or stays which they would have worn so it's it's kind of a long stiff piece of wood or, or baleen then the lady could put a hand on the man's shoulder and then he would lift her as she jumped and span around. I mean, it was pretty unseemly, especially if you went for grabbing the bottom of the bus, which I don't need to tell you is quite close Mm. to somewhere Elizabeth I probably didn't want touched in public. (laughs) (laughs) And through the Elizabethan and into the Jacobean period, there were more and more types of energetic dance. I see. Such as the Saltarello. Um, there's, There's... Evidence of dance tunes of a saltarello type from as early as the 12th century. Oh, right, okay. Um, but the dance itself evolves. Um, it's known as the hopping dance. Okay, great. And then you've got the canarios or canary dance where people <laughs> jump about on both feet. So a bit like frogs. I like that one. Well, that sounds hilarious. Well, it's a very excitable dance. I bet. Yeah, kind of like what I do when I'm really happy. It's like a mosh pit. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but out of this period, we then move into the rock era which saw many of these kinds of processional dances evolving into the likes of the Allemande, the Chacon, the Gavotte, the Gigue, the Sarabonde. I mean, into the Enlightenment you get like dancing halls yeah, of as course. we see in the Jane Austen novels and so on and that really marked an explosion in different dance types so so interesting well thank you Eleanor and now I feel I know a lot more about ladies dancing from the ancients through to what the 18th century roughly and in brief yes <laughs> but enough for today before we start talking about the all scandalous waltz <laughs> okay all right we'll be back tomorrow with the next stage in our three ravens advent 2023 journey Speaking of which, Martin, what are you going to be talking about tomorrow? Tomorrow it's going to be ten pipers piping. So prepare for some top draw honkery in addition <laughs> to the usual gronkery on tomorrow's mini episode. Outstanding. And tomorrow we'll also be releasing our new Three Ravens bestiary episode all about the Krampus. Mm-hmm. As well as our new Patreon exclusive episode for December out tomorrow too, which is all about snow queens. And that's exclusive to our lovely supporters on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash three ravens podcast it's our first triple release day are we mad we are completely mad (laughs) (laughs) but we'll be back tomorrow either way and until then while our ladies have danced off that way we'll go this way and remember don't whistle until you're out of the woods god sent every gentleman such hounds such hawks and such lean men with a 